And today, I'm going to have another big one for us, and I'm going to talk about prayer. And we define prayer as talking to God and listening to Him and having a conversation with Him. And hopefully, today, I can help you take some of those next steps in your faith journey, no matter where you are. If you're just exploring Christ, if you are engaging with Him more and more, or if you've been with Him for a long time, it's my prayer that you will take one of those steps, and I'll give you an opportunity at the end to do that. But before I want to talk about prayer, I love that we're calling it Habits Developing Spiritual Disciplines, because truly habits are all around us, aren't they? In fact, I found a study of some very smart-sounding people that says, hey, every habit, and we define a habit as something that you do without actively thinking about it or making a decision, and they say that about 40 to 95% of everything we do on a regular day is the result of a habit. So that means that even if we're conservative, we're saying half the things you and I do every day, we don't actively think about, we don't actively make a decision about it, we just do it anyway. And I don't know what your habits are. Um, you know, I admit it, I'm a coffee addict, so you know, my, our staff knows that unless I had a couple of coffees, they probably don't, shouldn't go into my office. Or maybe you're a nail biter, you know, I know there are some of those in your room, don't raise your hands, but you know, uh, maybe that's your habit. Maybe you're a phone person. You pull out your phone, you start scrolling through Instagram and social media, and pretty much three hours go by, and you've really accomplished nothing, but you're still looking at your phone, and you really don't know why and what happened. Well, maybe that's your um, habit that you have in your life. Or if you're more like my wife, she has beautiful long hair, and she loves to twirl with her hair. That's her favorite habit. And, you know, and if she gets bored with it, she pulls in one of our girls who also have beautiful long hair, and so she starts twirling with theirs, and... When she gets bored with that, she pulls me in and really doesn't get very far. But that's what habits do, right? We do them without thinking about it. And as you know, we have good habits and we have bad habits, right? As soon as I said habit, I bet that something popped into your mind of what your habit is. And I wonder if it was something good or something bad. And especially if we want to progress as people, we want to make sure that we implement more good habits in our lives and get rid of some bad ones. But I thought we're going to start this morning with a little quiz with you, okay, to see if you can help me figure out maybe if something is a good habit or if something is a bad habit. So let's start with the first one. How about this one, chewing gum? I'm sure some of you are gum chewers. I love having gum in my car. Is that a good or a bad habit? What do you think? Don't have to yell it out or anything. Just think about it. What do you think? Well, I'm happy to tell you if you love gum... That actually, I found a study by Health Magazine where it says that by just simply carrying a pack of gum in your pocket or your purse, especially if it's sugar-free and minty, okay, but if you do that, then you're actually suppressing your appetite throughout the day. You get a healthy boost just by simply chewing gum. I know I'm guilty of the next one. How about this one? First thing in the morning, you wake up, you roll over to your nightstand, you grab your phone, and you immediately start going through your newsfeed because there are so many things you've missed while you were asleep. Is that a good or a bad habit? Well, you could argue that maybe you're more productive when you do that first thing, right? I mean, I need to justify things in my mind. So I'm like, well, I get right into started in my day. I uh, know exactly what's going on and can play out my day better. But actually, doctors on demand have proven that by simply pulling out your phone and start going into it, your stress level in your life goes automatically up, and your body actually has a hard time bringing it back down over a period of time, which actually leaves you less productive, and more overwhelmed throughout the rest of your day. Now, the next one is going to get me into real trouble. How about chocolate? 
All right, is chocolate a good or a bad habit? Well, I did find a study for all of you chocoholics out there that said that actually you can eat in moderation dark chocolate about two bars a week, and it will help your body fight some of the cancer cells and make sure that there is reduced plot, uh, reduces blood clots in your body. So for all of you women out there, you are welcome. How about this last one? I know I am guilty of this all the time. Fidgeting, right? Any fidgeters out there? Well, I know I am definitely a fidgeter. In fact, my wife knows me so well even before we got married that when she bought me a wedding ring, she didn't just buy me a ring. She actually bought me a spinning ring. So if you, you can't see it, but it actually turns within itself because she knew that if she wouldn't have bought that, I would have flipped that ring or probably lost it really quickly. And so she decided to buy me that. But maybe you're a fidgeter. You like to tap your finger on the table or... The one that your colleagues absolutely love and adore is the pen clickers. Anybody know some of those? They're like click, 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 click throughout meetings. I know you love them. Is that a good or a bad habit, though? What do you think? Well, actually, you can burn up to 350 extra calories a day by simply fidgeting and moving your hands and arms and legs. So you can see the bottom line of all of this is simple, though. We all have habits in our lives. And they do affect a large portion of how we live our life each day. And that's also where there's a great opportunity in habits. I know all of us have areas in our life where we want to get better at, right? Maybe it's your personal health. Maybe it's um, relationships. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse or your children. Maybe it's your finances that you finally want to get under control. Or maybe, like we're talking about in this series, it's your walk with Christ and your relationship with him. Well, that's where habits have such a great opportunity because remember, we're doing a lot of them without even thinking about it. And that's why I love that we're in this series because hopefully today I'm going to be able to take you one step closer when it comes to your prayer life. Now, if you want to study more about habits, I love that our library actually has a little display out there with some books um, that talk about habits and how you do habits. So if you want to stop out and do a little bit more of your own reading, feel free to do that. Um, but I'll give you some very practical tips as we finish up our time at the end. But let's talk about prayer, right? And I found a study by Pew Research that actually says that 55% of all Americans pray on your regular basis, or actually every day. That didn't necessarily surprise me. What surprised me in that study that it also said that 12% of atheists, 12% of people that declare that there is no God and there is no higher power, actually also admitted that they pray on a regular basis. Now, I don't really know who they're praying to, but there's still some value even for them in prayer. And prayer is good for you. But when it comes to prayer, I also want to um, give a little disclaimer to this message because I've sat where you sat, and I know when I, um, somebody else came up here and shared about prayer, it's really easy to go into guilt, shame, and failure mode. And I don't want that for you to happen, so let me just call that out right now because that's where I am at when somebody talks about prayer because it's one of those things that no matter how long you've been with Jesus, I don't think I've ever met anybody that said, man, this prayer thing, I got it down, okay? I mean, I pray more than enough. If anything, I probably should pray a little less. I'm spending far too much time with God. I, I haven't met anybody. If that's you, please come and talk to me. I'd love to learn more from you. But it's just not what happens. So can we just make this kind of the planet fitness version, the judgment-free zone of prayer? Well, we just all right now admit that we all don't pray enough. 
In fact, let me say this too real quick. Dear God, I am sorry. I don't pray enough. And I know there's others with me as well. And God, together we declare that we don't pray enough and we need you more. And so God, help us today to take that next step, whatever that is, in our lives and help us to develop those habits that continue to draw us close to you. Amen. And as I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking about, okay, what is relevant to prayer? Actually, our awesome communications team put out a question to all of you, and maybe you've seen it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of our social media channels, and simply asked that question, well, what's one thing that you're wrestling with when it comes to the topic of prayer? What's one thing that you struggle with when you think about prayer? And I admit it, I wasn't sure what kind of answers we we're going to get, but I was completely overwhelmed with the responses that we received from all of you. Great questions. Questions like, if God already knows everything and everything is preordained, well, do I even need to pray? Is that even part of what I need to do because God already decided it anyway? To questions about, well, what prayer is actually worthy? To questions of, well, is there a formula I need to do? Is there special words I need to say when I pray? Some really great questions that came out of it. Unfortunately, this morning, I don't have time to go into all of them. But I do want to give you a next step if you submitted some of them. Thank you for that. But if you're interested in exploring some of those questions together, actually, I've used our Beyond the Weekend devotional this week. If you know what that is, it's an email that we send out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, usually in the morning. And it follows always kind of a devotional of the message that you heard that week. And if you're already getting them via email, then great, you'll watch out for them and make sure that you read some of those answers if you want to dig deeper into prayer. And if you're interested in signing up, all you got to do is just put the word devotional on that connect card at the end of your worship program, put your email address on there, drop them at the giving boxes, and we want to make sure that you get answers to some of those questions. But today, together, I want to focus on really three main questions this morning, and here they are. First one is, how do I know that prayer actually works? Because if prayer doesn't work, then all of this is, my, is, is use, un, useless, right? So how do I know that prayer works? And if, let's pretend if prayer works, then how does God actually answer some of our prayers? And then I want to finish our time off with, what can I stop or sometimes hinder even our prayers as well-meaning as they are? Because there's something that we can do to make sure that we're doing the right things as well. But there's a very simple reason why I picked that first question, and I want to spend the majority of our time on that. It's because I know that most of you have been in this room, have been struggling with prayer, at, maybe at one time or maybe right now, as part of your life's journey. And most of it, usually the story that I hear and the story that I've experienced is that you've prayed for something that was really, really good, maybe a family member or a friend, and you've been praying earnestly, and it wasn't something bad, but man, like it seemed like whatever you did, God didn't answer the prayer, or he didn't answer the way that you thought he would. And you left discouraged, heartbroken, and maybe you've even given up on prayer. Well, if that is you this morning, I hope I can give you a little bit of hope. But I also want you to know that I'm sorry, because I've been there as well, and it's not easy sometimes. But hopefully you'll see that prayer still works today. And I also want you to know that you're in good company if that's how you feel. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the person that wrote most of the New Testament, okay, a spiritual hero to most of us in this room, 
he actually struggled with the same thing. In the letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians verse 12, he, um, chapter 12, he writes this. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, which was probably some sort of a health issue he had struggled with. A messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. And here it is. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And then he goes on to say that God didn't just remove it. The answer is God was, my grace simply has to be enough for you. I love the Psalms as well. And sometimes the Psalms are so real. So I wonder if you ever ask yourself this question out of Psalm 88. Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? Do you ever ask yourself that question? I know I have. But there's a couple of reasons why I know that prayer still works today. And the first thing is simply because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, believed in prayer. Actually, if you look at the New Testament and if you read the stories about Jesus, you'll very quickly find that Jesus hardly did anything of significance. Actually, he did nothing of significance that he didn't pray about first. Sometimes he prayed in large groups like we're gathered today. Sometimes he had his closest friends together and they were praying. And many times he actually just walked off away from the crowds just to be alone with God. To the point where his disciples, so his closest friends, the people that spent most of the time with, they only in the entire Gospels ask him one time, hey Jesus, can you teach me something? Can you teach us something? And I'd be very transparent with you. I'd be very different. I'd be like, hey, Jesus, can you teach me how to walk on water? I mean, on Lake Erie, that would be awesome, right? I can really shock some people. Or, hey, Jesus, you remember that miracle with like 5,000 people where, just, you, where you feed them with just a few, with some bread and some fish? Man, at the next chapel picnic, that would kill it. Can you please show us how to do that? They even experienced Jesus raising somebody from the dead but they chose not to ask him, hey, Jesus, can you teach us how to do that? The one time that they asked Jesus to teach him something was in Luke 11, verse 1, where it says, once again, Jesus was in a certain place, and here he is praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So it's clearly that Jesus himself believed in the power of prayer. But he didn't only believe in the power of prayer. He actually, when he was on earth, he gave us promises when it comes to your and to my own prayers. Matthew 7 says this. Jesus is talking here saying, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the doors will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks will find and everyone who knocks the doors will be open. So again, not only Jesus said, yep, I am praying myself, but listen to his words. He's saying, when you pray, there's an action that happens. There's something that's going to happen every time you pray, you will find the doors will be open for you and you will receive. So Jesus, and actually this verse continues, and this is why I love this passage, is because at this point then Jesus introduces an analogy for all of us that I love to think about when it comes to prayer. In verse 9, he actually continues this way. He says, you parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if you, they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father 
good, give good gifts to those who ask him. So in this verse, Jesus puts himself in the father role, and he says, man, I love you, and you parents, you know you love your children, and if we sinful people love our children and do as much for them as we possibly can, well, how much more would a lovingly father answers when we as his children come to him and ask him for something? But there's also a third reason why I know for a fact that prayer works. And that is because I've experienced it in my own life. And I can tell you hundreds, probably thousands of stories, some small prayers, some really big prayers, that Jesus actually answered my prayers. But my, fam- my favorite story when it comes to the answer of prayer is actually this, and it has to do with my daughter, Chloe. Chloe is now a teenager, but back then she was seven years old. And as a seven-year-old, some things happened in her life that kind of caused her to stop and pause and say, well, how does this prayer thing work? And does this prayer thing actually work? I mean, you know, like there's a God that created this entire universe, every branch, every tree, every person throughout the whole universe, and he still listens to when I pray? And so over weeks and weeks, she was wrestling with that topic. And as good parents, you know, you're trying to do anything we can. I mean, we try to find stories in the Bible we could share with her. We try to find verses. We try to find analogies. And we ended up actually asking her to write a prayer journal. And the reason why we did that is because I know myself, and I know how many times somebody asked me to pray for it, and I pray for it, but then as soon as I say amen, I actually forget about it and never check if the actual answer to prayer was received or to say thank you to God for actually doing anything. And so we thought, okay, if she keeps a prayer journal... Every day she's going to write down before she goes to sleep some of the things that are on her mind. In a week or two weeks later, we're going to go back and we're going to look at what God has answered throughout her praying life. Well, there was one night that I will never forget that she was really wrestling with that question. And my wife Rachel and I, we didn't know that, um, but she was in her room and she was really in distress about the whole issue. And so let me read you what she wrote into her journal that night. She writes this, Dear God, please take care of me because in my lungs and in my breathing, you see that I am crying. And this was about understanding if God was listening. But you see, God, there's this little class on my nightstand, and it's empty right now. But if you would fill it until the morning, I would know that you are listening to my prayers. Now, we can have a theological debate if it's right or wrong to ask God questions and ask him to do something. But for this seven-year-old girl... She just wanted to know, God, are you there? Now, again, my wife and Rachel and I, we didn't know what was happening. But in her life, she was living on a bed, and she was literally putting the pen down at that point in time. And all she sees is me walking in the door, grabbing the glass of water, filling it up, putting it back on her desk, and exiting the room. And I can tell you, that little seven-year-old girl was completely floored. Now, it wasn't the way that she thought God would answer her prayers, But in that moment, she knew, yes, God heard and he was listening. Actually, here is a picture of the letter that she wrote that night. And I actually have it framed in my office as a constant reminder about how God answers our prayers. And then she continued to write. She says this. She says, thank you, God, for already doing it. Man, that was hilarious. (laughs) Me and Papa, which is what she calls me, we both cracked up. And then she finishes off, and you can probably read it, it says, this was awesome. Sincerely, Chloe. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this story is to, number one, encourage you in your own prayer life, but
but also because I know that I have many stories like this, but I also know that within you and your lives, you have many stories of how God has answered prayer over and over in your own life. And what I want to do is simply encourage you, because I also know that there's probably some people here today that maybe they've never prayed before, because they're still wrestling with that question of, God, are you really listening to this? Is this even working? Is this worth doing? Or maybe you have people even that sometimes have never told you, but they said, God, I've given up on prayer. I've tried. It didn't work. And man, I'm done. Well, what I want to encourage you today, if you've seen God work in your life, take this next week to simply share some of those stories. When you go to lunch today, ask each other, hey, have you ever seen God answer prayers like this? Maybe not filling up a glass like in Chloe's life, but have you ever seen anything like this? And you'll be amazed of the stories that you hear. Actually, I've been amazed over these last three weeks when I've been teaching the story to our different campuses. People that have come up to me and shared their stories with me, and it is amazing what God is doing. And I don't want to lose the opportunity to hear those stories from you. So make sure that you spend some time sharing them because you never know how it's going to impact somebody else's life. So we already discovered that we know prayer works because Jesus prayed himself. He also gave us promises that prayer works, and we know in our own experiences, many of us have experienced how God answers prayers. But why does it still sometimes feel like when we're praying that we pray and we're sending the messages up and it seems like the prayers just hit the ceiling and don't get through? And that's what brings me to my second point, because I think a lot of times we expect God to be, or our prayers to be like a vending machine. You throw your prayers on the top, you dial a number of kind of what I want, and I expect the answer to come out just like I was asking for. But that's not how prayer works. And I know I've made that mistake before as well, because I believe that there's actually three different ways that God answers our prayers. And the first one is really easy. That's the one that we all love is the answer yes, right? Exactly when we pray... And God does exactly the way we want it to be answered in the exact same way in the time frame that we want. And that's a great answer. And sometimes God answers yes. But if you remember the analogy earlier when we talked about, when Jesus was talking about the analogy of him being the father and us being his children, every good parent knows sometimes you also have to answer no. Not because we want anything bad for our children. In fact, I have my youngest daughter, Gracie. She's seven years, uh, she's eight years old, and um, she loves Wendy's, okay? She absolutely adores Wendy's, and she would go to Wendy's every breakfast, lunch, and dinner if she could. And I admit it, she has me wrapped around her little finger. She knows it. She knows how to get what she wants, and, you know, but every, pretty much every day she asks me, hey, can we go to Wendy's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Now, I love her to death. I would do anything for her. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to answer yes every single time. Even if in her mind she thinks that is exactly what she wants and it'll be good. But because I have a different perspective, I, I want her to be healthy. I want her to be good. And so, you know, so we're trying to include some healthy habits in Wendy's. I'm not saying all of health, health, Wendy's food is bad. But, you know, if you do it every day, I'm not sure that's the healthiest diet you can have. But sometimes as a good parent, just like that's what God said to us is, Sometimes, even if you're praying for something good and you think exactly this is what you need, the answer has to be no, and that's where we simply need to trust him. That's where it's hard 
But I know in my life, I remind myself of saying, man, God has a different view. He was there at the beginning. He knows everybody. He knows every situation. And he's going to be there at the end. And even if I don't understand it, I have to accept the no. And Jesus isn't afraid for us to keep asking at that point as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Because there's also a third answer that sometimes we forget when it comes to Jesus answering, you are in my prayer. And that sometimes Jesus simply says, wait. He says, what you're praying for is right on, but the timing is off. And I admit it, before my um, job here at the chapel, which I absolutely love what I do every day, we were moving back from Germany as a family. That's where I'm originally from, so you're wondering about the accent. That's what it is. And, you know, but we're moving back as my family, and I've been very fortunate. I've been in ministry. I've been in professional sports. I've always had a job where I loved exactly what I was doing, and I was, felt like there was a purpose in it for me, and I loved it. But at that point in our life, I just needed to get a job. We would just moved back. We had nothing when we came back from Germany here. And I knew God was opening a door for me that I really didn't want. It wasn't anything I was excited about. Making money for other people didn't seem like something I wanted to do. I wanted to be in ministry. But God said, no, you have to provide for your family. And I admit it, I've prayed a lot about that job. It wasn't a bad work environment, don't get me wrong. But it just didn't fulfill me. And I felt empty when I got home. And I know some of you probably feel the same about your job. But I prayed about it over and over, and I admit it, my wife will justify to this, I complained a lot about it too. And I would come home after, and I got it's got to be something else. And I was hoping, but all I heard was the answer no, which then turned and actually the answer wait. And it wasn't just a week of that going on. It wasn't just a month of that going on. It wasn't even just a year. It took five years of me earnestly praying over and over again until God finally said yes. And isn't it always funny how when you look back, things look very different? Well, I do things now that I would have been completely ill-equipped to do or to manage if it wouldn't have been for those five years of God preparing me and using that time that I didn't see to get me ready to what I get to do today. So maybe you're thinking God is not answering your question yet or he's saying no. Maybe the answer is simply hope and you just have to keep praying and asking him for help. So just because you feel like your prayers aren't working doesn't mean that God is not at work. In fact, the uh, book of John says it this way. Jesus said, my father is always working, and so am I. So just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that God is absent. In fact, your prayers are still working when you pray for years and it seems like nothing is happening. Your prayers are still working when actually the opposite happens of what you've been praying for all along. Your prayers are still working when you seem that there is nothing that's even moving slightly in that direction or God seems so far away that you don't even know if he's really there. Let me tell you today, your prayers are still working. Let's make this a little bit more real. Your prayers are working if you didn't get that job. Your prayers are still working when your mom died of cancer. Your prayers are still working when the car crash that you had experienced and you're still suffering through the consequences today. Your prayers worked back then as well. Because the purpose of prayer is bigger than just the answer. Prayer is actually designed to draw us closer to God. 
It is designed for us to admit that, God, we are not you. We can't do everything. We have come to you for help. And it's acknowledgement that he is God and I am not. And that's whatever it does is, is prayer is designed to lead us closer to him. Which also brings me to an important question where I sometimes make the mistake. Because the question is this. Is my hope in the answer to my prayer? Or is my hope in the God that I pray to? Let me say this again. Is your hope in the answer to your prayer? Or is it in the God that you pray to? So we talked about that we believe prayer works and that God answers our prayers in different ways. And a lot of that is out of our control. We cannot control or dictate God how he's going to answer our prayers. That's his decision. There are a couple of things, though, that I have experienced in my own life that sometimes have stopped or even hindered my prayers. And so I don't want to run those through with you quickly. There's more, but I just want to highlight three with you this morning. And the first one seems really, really obvious, but it's funny how often I forget that that's the case. One thing that hinders or stops your prayer altogether is simply if we don't pray. Happens to me often when people come into my office and say, Mark, I've been praying about this and God's not doing anything and am I doing something wrong? And I say, well, that's good. Well, you know, tell me a little bit more and try to be compassionate for German. That's not easy, but I try to be compassionate. And I, I then eventually will ask the question of, well, how often have you prayed about it? And sometimes it does happen when people start squirming around a little bit and I was like... Have you actually prayed about this? And they said, well, I complained about it, and I thought about it, I worried about it, I told other people about it, but actually, come to think of it, I just never actually said the prayer. And you're not alone. Actually, the book of James says it this way. It says, you don't have what you want because you simply didn't ask for it. So don't let your disappointment of your past or your busyness of life stop you from praying for the things that you want. But then there's another reason why sometimes our prayers feel like they're not being answered, and that's simply the fact that we're not listening. So sometimes our prayers are being stopped or hindered if we're not praying, and sometimes we just need to listen to the answer and accept it. But there's a third reason, too, that I found that sometimes our prayers are not uh, being heard, or actually this one stops our prayers altogether, and that is unrepented sin in our life. And I'm not talking about sin here that you know, all of us sin every day. Um, that doesn't stop our prayers. But if we purposely rebel against God and saying, hey, I know there's an area in my life, but I'm not going to listen to that at all. I'm going to do my own thing. The Bible also teaches very clearly that that can stop our prayers. And so sometimes it might be worthwhile just to take a quick gut check when you're in that situation and just saying, hey, is there anything in my life that I need to repent? And actually brings us back to what Pastor Todd was talking about when it comes to confession. That's the antidote of unrepented sin. And again, we're not alone. Even the Old Testament, this is what it says in Isaiah. It says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's actually your sins that have cut you off from God. It's because of your sins that he has turned away and he will not listen to you anymore. And so let's just make this very clear. One prayer that God always answers is when we come with an open heart and ask for his forgiveness and say, God, I messed up. I need your help. Please forgive me. And that's what I love about the gospel is that that's the promise from him to say, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced, that prayer 
he will always listen and answers to. But I'm a very practical person, if in case you know me. I'm not the great theologian. I'm more the practical guy. And so I felt like I'd do you a disservice if I would let you leave and just let you leave with this knowledge. I want to take some time to finish it up here. Is simply by saying, hey, what is, ask you one question. This is the question. What is one habit that you can create to help your own prayer life? Because this message is all about growing spiritually and Habits are something that develop over time. In fact, it takes 30 to 60 days on on average to develop a new habit. And so I want to ask you, what is one thing that you can do in your life right now, no matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, that you can take and take that next step when it comes to prayer? And to help you with that, actually, in your worship programs as you walked in, and feel free to take them out, there's a postcard in there that looks like this. And... It simply asks you that question on the front. What is one habit that you can create to help your prayer life? And what I would love for you to do is before you leave today, fill out just one thing, okay? Like, don't take too many. I know all of us been there. January 1st comes around, and we want to do everything at once, and January 2nd comes around, and we give up. No, just pick one thing, not to overwhelm yourself, and write it out. And there's pens in the back on those trays on the way out where the Bibles are. Feel free to grab one, but don't leave without taking at least one step closer in your, in your habits when it comes to prayer. But let me give you a couple of examples because maybe you've never prayed before in your life. And maybe God today is simply asking you, hey, just start with five minutes of prayer. Start simple. Start small. It doesn't have to be much. Or maybe if you've been a believer of God for a long time and maybe he's asking you simply to pray five more minutes. I don't know. Maybe you love the outdoors and you love to be out in the wild and Maybe it's time for you simply to take a prayer walk. Go out in nature and did what Jesus did, just walking around, talking to Jesus. Maybe that's the next step that you can take. Maybe you're a structured person like me, and Pastor Todd introduced me to this concept of praying for a specific category every day of your life. So, for example, praying for your family on Mondays, praying for your work and colleagues on Tuesdays, and praying for missionaries around the world on Wednesdays, and so on and so forth. Maybe it's like Chloe starting a prayer journal. Maybe your next step is that you just want to pray with other people and you feel lonely in your prayers. Well, we have an amazing prayer team here at the chapel. And actually the way we have this prayer team set up is there's two different things. One of them is where we send out an email with your prayer requests anonymously and we send them out to, um, to the people on that prayer team and, and they pray and commit to praying over that next week for all of your requests. Or maybe... I don't know if you know this, but there's people praying right now for you and for me in a room upstairs. And maybe you just need to pray with others and you want to sign up with that team. Well, all you got to do is just put the team, the the words prayer team on the uh, connect card, drop it in the giving boxes, put your contact information on there, and somebody from our team will follow up with you to help you in that next step. Or maybe you're forgetful. And, you know, it's just simply making the commitment that every time you text somebody or you reply to a Facebook request, and I know we all do this and say, hey, man, I'm praying for you, that you actually take a moment and stop and pray before you get busy with the rest of your life. I don't know where God has you. I don't know what you're struggling with, where you are in your faith journey, but take a step. That's what we here at the chapel exist for. And we want to help you with um, that next step as well. And actually, that's what this card is designed for. Because I want you to either take it home and put it on your fridge. Because studies have shown that when it comes to habits, 
we need to be accountable to somebody else, and it actually hugely increases the opportunity for you to create a new habit. And so what you can do is take this card home, put it on your fridge, and every day you walk by this week, you'll be reminded about the commitment that you've made this morning. Or if you want our help, actually, you can turn the card around, and it turns out to be a postcard where you just put your home address on there, and number one, our staff will be praying for you this week to help you in that next step. And then a week from now, we're actually going to mail it back to you as a reminder and the commitment that you have made. So if you want to do that, then just make sure we have your address on the back and drop them in the giving boxes, and we'll come alongside you to help you in your journey and pray and remind you to do that. And if you really need, you know, a lot of people of us sometimes need a reward when we're trying to establish a new habit, and so don't forget, two chocolate bars, dark chocolate a week, and you're going to be good. Well, next week, um, Pastor Eric's actually going to come back, and he's going to talk about the habit of fasting. It's funny because I got to talk about Wendy's. He gets to talk about fasting. I wonder who got the better deal there. But he's going to be back next week helping us to look at fasting in a different way. But I've talked so much about prayer. Why don't I just close us in a word of prayer and then you are dismissed after that. Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every person that is in this room. Thank you that it's not a coincidence that you have brought us here today and that we're listening to your word and your encouragement about prayer. And God, Jesus, thank you for living our life of prayer and for promising us that you are listening to our prayers, even if the answer isn't always yes, even if sometimes you have to say no because you love us or sometimes you have to say wait because you have a different plan for our life than we think it is. God, help us to be patient and to trust you in a situation that you have all of us in. You've been here. You know how hard it can be and how lonely those places can feel like. But God, I also thank you that I know that each of us are going to go out away from this place. And I don't know what we're going to face next week, but I know that you are going to go with us. And no matter what it is, if it's a high or a low of life, you're going to be right beside us. And so God, as we're making commitments this morning about taking that one simple step towards you in our prayer life, that you're also going to be with us in that step. So God, as we leave this place, we pray for your blessing and to be with us. Amen.